Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today we're ending our series how to, and it's been a relationship series, and today is going to be very focused on married people, and we're going to be talking about how to live happily, let's try that again, how to live happily ever after, and here's what I'm going to tell to all my single people, to all my dating people, to all my engaged people, there are so many applications from what I am sharing today that you can apply to every relationship, and you're going to hear that come through, and I'm going, to, I'm going to emphasize that when it's coming through. But man, for married people, how do you live happily ever after? How do you not just survive marriage, but you actually enjoy marriage? And as we research, as I research for this Message. I interviewed people that have been married 35 years. I've been married almost 25 years. I've been interviewing people that have been married almost 50 plus years, right? And so this is some of their advice, some of their expertise when it comes to how do you stay married and, and enjoy life and live happily ever after. And as we get going, I want to share a story. It says this, everyone showed up to a 100-year-old old man's birthday and asked him for his health secrets. And the old man said, I'll tell you a secret. I've been married for 75 years. And I promised my wife when we got married that when we fought, the loser had to walk five miles. And I've been walking five miles every day for 75 years. Everyone asked again, but how come your wife's so healthy too? And the old man answered, I'll tell you another secret. She's been following me 75 years to make sure I really finish those five miles, right? Some of you, this sounds really true today. How do you, how do you live being married to the same person and you stay in love? Right, because you've seen couples that, man, I've seen couples that have been married 50 years and they don't look like they've enjoyed one of them. Right? In fact, they're happier when they're not by one another. And then you see those couples that they're married, and man, they're, they're still holding hands. They're still kissing. They're still taking trips. They're still dreaming together. And, and for me, I'm like, that's the goal. Right? That's the goal is that, that when we hit 50, we're still hitting our stride. And we're taking trips. And we're enjoying one another. And we're like still loving one another. And, and we're stepping into all that. How do you get there? And, and here's what I'm going to tell you as we get started today. You don't just get there because you expect to be there. You get, everybody expects to be. Just because you have expectations of that's what your marriage is going to look like doesn't mean that's what your marriage is going to look like. If you're going to get there, it takes both of you fighting to get there. Not just fighting in your marriage, but fighting for it. So today, today and today only, I'm going to ask you to focus on you. Not for you to focus on your, my spouse really needs to listen to this point. Right, But I want you to focus in on you today. That If we will do these five things, we will live, it will help us <laughs> to live happily ever after. And some of you just freaked out because I said five things. We're going to be going fast today. The first thing is this. If you're going to live happily ever after, you have to be fully sold out to Jesus to be fully bought into your marriage. 
You have to be fully sold out to Jesus to be fully bought into your marriage. As a follower of Christ, this was one of the biggest points that all these older couples said. And this doesn't sound sexy and this doesn't sound romantic, but can I tell you, this point is fundamental for you as a follower of Christ. You got to be fully bought in, fully surrendered fully sold out to be fully bought into your marriage. You, that means this, you have to continually surrender to the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That it's a continual, everyday thing of you surrendering to the Holy Spirit's leading of your life and how the Word of God says that you need to conduct your life. Galatians chapter five says this, so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. Let's, uh, every one of us has good intentions when it comes to our marriage, when it comes to our life, but good intentions don't get you anywhere. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature, my self-led nature, to his cross and crucified him there. They're dead, right? Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading, here it is, in every part of our lives. Not just the Sunday morning part, not just the Wednesday night midweek part, not just when people are watching us, but in every part of your life, follow the Spirit's leading. Why? Because you will start producing what only the Holy Spirit can produce in and through you when you follow the Spirit's leading in every part of your life. I love what David Rogers said. He's been married 50 plus years. He said this, you have to surrender your life 100% to Jesus and the Word of God to oversee your life, especially if you're going to get married. It's an absolute must for the strength and the longevity of marriage because Jesus will have the controlling say in your marriage of what to do. Not just your opinion and feelings of what we think is right or wrong. We must live by rock-solid, absolute truth to strengthen and grow the marriage. Have any of you driven with a 15 and a half year old? <laughs> right, so, so here's what I'm gonna tell you. Um, both my daughters are, are good drivers. Um, Charlie was a good driver, but they're completely opposites. I couldn't get Charlie to go fast enough right now. Chloe's 15 and a half, she's got a permit. I can't get Chloe to go slow enough, right? Like she takes turns, I'm like, you, right? And I'm not trying to be that guy that's using the brake and like, oh, right? I'll leave that to her mom. But um, they're both really good drivers, but here's what I have noticed. Even though they're good drivers, they've never paid attention where to go. So I'm having to tell Chloe, okay, you're going to get in your right lane here and we're getting ready to get on the highway and here's what's getting ready to happen and here's what's getting ready to happen. And I know where I want to go. I know how I want to go there. And I know the, the easiest way to get there. And there's anxiety because I'm not in control, right? Because my 15 and a half year old is in control. But when I get behind the wheel, all of a sudden everything gets a lot smoother. 
I, I get there like I want to get there. I don't have to give instructions, and my anxiety is way, way lower, right? Can I tell you, when you're in control of your life, it's like a 15-and-a-half-year-old being in control of your life. And you're not producing what the Holy Spirit can produce. And you're getting in the way, and there's always stress, and there's always anxiety, and you say what you shouldn't, and you do what you shouldn't. Why? Because you are leading yourself, and you need somebody way bigger than you, way more capable than you, way smarter than you, way more patient than you, way more that has a lot more self-control than you leading you. I need somebody way more patient, way more smarter, way more wiser to lead me. And that only happens when I, on a continual daily basis, surrender my life to the Holy Spirit and submit and start living my life according to the Word of God. If you're going to be fully bought into your marriage, you've got to be fully sold out to Jesus. Because what I will tell you is this, only good things come from prioritizing God. Only good things come from prioritizing God. If you're going to live happily ever after, second thing you've got to understand today is this, is divorce can't be an option, threat, or word that is ever used. Let me read that again. Divorce can't be an option, a threat, or word that is ever used. Every couple in this place is going to have disagreements. Every couple, no matter how much in love you are, you're going to have arguments. And if they escalate, that's what we call fights. You're going to have fights. You're not going to see eye to eye. And if the moment that you don't see eye to eye, if the moment when it gets heated, one of you uses the D word, you go to divorce. Can I tell you, you just went nuclear, man, in your relationship. You just pulled out the nuclear codes, and you are making everything unstable in your relationship. And, and you, but, Justin, you, you don't know what I deal with. You don't know how difficult, how mean they are. And to you, I would say this. You're absolutely right. I don't know how difficult they are. I know how difficult I am. I don't know how mean they are. But here's what the Bible tells us. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 24, can I just be honest? I hate this scripture right here. I, 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 it just grinds on me, and it's a good thing that it grinds on me, and I don't mean I hate it. It just, ah, it whips my butt every day. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and here's the bad part, and be patient with difficult people. (sighs) Parents, that means you're a teenager. Teenagers. That means your parents. That means that teacher you can't stand. That means that friend group that you don't like. That means at work. That means in the mall parking lot in just a few hours from now. You got to be patient with difficult people. And that means for married people, you got to be patient when your staff, when your spouse is being difficult. Ugh. I know, welcome. And when it gets difficult, when you fight, when you argue, if you go and you start threatening the divorce, you use the word divorce, it's an option. Here's what happens. You destabilize everything. 
It's like when my wife had vertigo not too long ago. Okay, she had a bad bout of vertigo. And it made it hard for her to get up, for her to function, for her to do things. And she battled this for a few months. All because a vertigo made everything else hard and everything else was destabilized because everything was spinning. That's exactly what divorce does when it comes to your relationship. When you threaten it, it steals the peace. It steals the trust. Because that's just where you're going to go. And here's it, here it is. If, if you've used the word divorce in your relationship in an argument in the past, here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't sit there and be like, I, I, I've not said that. Just keep looking forward and she won't look at me, right? Own it. And when you get home, when you get in the car, be like, hey, babe, man, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have used that. I shouldn't have let that word come out. I shouldn't have used that as a threat because that's not an option. If you're going to live happily ever after, it can't be an option. It can't be a threat. And it can't be a word that's in your vocabulary ever. The third way, if you're going to live happily ever after, you've got to stop treating each other like garbage but expecting good results. You've got to stop treating each other like garbage but expecting good results. I would say this is true in every relationship that you have. This is true with your kids. This is true with your parents. This is true with your friends. This is true at work. You can't treat each other like trash and garbage, but expect good results. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says, the man who finds a wife finds a treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. Men, if you find a wife, here's what the Bible is saying. That's not something you were owed. You weren't owed her that is a treasure you were given. And if it's a treasure you were given, you're going to value it. And you're not going to talk down to her. You're not going to talk bad about her when you're around your buddies. You're going to treasure her. You're going to value her. You're going to love her. And that means you're going to let her know that you love her. That means you're not going to let somebody else talk bad about your queen or your wife. Right? So don't you let somebody else... Come in and badmouth your wife, even if they're your buddy, even if they're your kid. Don't do it. Because we'll get to this in a second, because they're your priority. They're your number one. They're actually your number two. We'll get to that in a second, right? You found a treasure. So treat her like it. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10 says this. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to, say it, everyone. Let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. I have two paper bags up here, Reesers, right? And, and here's why I have these here. These function for two things in our household. One of these functions as a grocery bag, right? One of these functions as a trash or recyclable bag. We put trash in one. We put groceries in the other. What dictates what one is used for and what one its purpose is? Whatever we put in it, right? If we're putting groceries in it, that means that it is a grocery bag. If we're putting trash in it, that means it is a trash bag. 
you always get out of it what you put into it, right? You understand this. You're following me right now. You can't keep putting trash and garbage and all your leftover emotions from the day in your marriage and expect a good marriage. You can't do it. And some of you, you have made, leftovers are okay once in a while, but you shouldn't make your spouse live on them. And some of you, you are making your spouse live on the leftover of what's left over from the day because you gave your best to work, you gave your best to your buddies, you gave your best to strangers, and you come home and you give them what's left over. And as a result, you've been putting not much effort, not many kind words, not many kind deeds, can I tell you, you got a trash marriage. Justin, that sounds mean. I know, but it's true. You can't put in all this garbage and expect to have a great marriage. If you're going to have a great marriage, you got to put things in. That means you got to be purposeful in your words. That means you got to be purposeful in your actions. That means you got to be purposeful in going on date nights. That means you've got to make sure you're putting in what you want to get out. Because the Bible says this, don't be fooled. What a man sows, he reaps. And this is why it's so important as we go back to our first point. If you want to sow love and joy and peace and patience and self-control and all that fruit of the Spirit, you better be putting it in to your marriage. And the only way you can put that in is if you are fully sold out to Jesus Christ and you're following the Holy Spirit on a daily basis and you're abiding and you're following how the Word of God tells you to conduct your life. Not what the latest movie has told you, not what the latest counseling book has told you. Man, you've got to conduct your life differently if you want to live happily ever after. And this is true of every relationship. Parents, if you want a great relationship with your kids, what are you putting into that relationship? Grown kids, you want a great relationship with your parents, what are you putting into it? Because you can't get out of it. Watch you're not sowing into it. Next way to live happily ever after is understand this. Communication has to be constant and open. Communication has to be constant and open. And I would say this. Just because you talk a lot doesn't mean you're communicating at all. Just being honest. You may come, if you come in the door or when they come in the door, and it's just this all the time, just because you're talking doesn't mean you're communicating. Because if he or she's not listening, you're not communicating. Right? If neither one of you are talking, you're not communicating. It's not enough for one of you to be the talker in the relationship. Well, we've just got an understanding. No, you got a breakdown of communication. You've got to have communication that is constant, and that it stays open. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Communication. Every couple that I interviewed said this. Communication has to be a constant thing in your marriage. It has to. You want healthy relationships. You want healthy uh, friendships. You want healthy work? You want to cut the frustration out of your workplace environment? Communicate. Talk. Miscommunication always leads to frustration. 
Right? And when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your relationship, when it comes to your family life, if there's not clear and constant communication, there is going to be clear and constant frustration in all of your relationships. And it's easy to fix. It means you have to talk and you got to listen. I've never, in 25 years of, of being in ministry, I have never, ever met a couple that got divorced that said, you know what, we just communicated way too well. We just really got each other. We just understood each other. I saw her point of view. She saw my point of view. And, man, this communication just was the response, is what's responsible for our marriage breaking down and crumbling. No. I've never met that couple, but I have met countless couples. Somewhere they stopped talking. Somewhere they stopped communicating. Right? Somewhere. They stop talking about the fun things, the everyday things. Like when I'm talking about communicating, I'm talking about, man, share with your spouse what happened in your day. How was your day? Fine. I'm just going to eat my soup and then I'm going to go to my man cave. What are we doing? Communicate, talk. It means talk about your day. I want to know what's going on in Casey's day. And she wants to know what happened in my day. I want to know the good things that happened in her day. I want to know the frustrating things that happened in her day. And I want to talk about the weird things that happened in her day all the time. Because we go to the gym all the time and we see weird stuff happen all the time, right? One thing that I do all the time, I talk about our next trips and dream with her. Why? Because I want to communicate. I want to talk to her, right? She's talking to me about what's going on with the kids so that I'm communicating with and I'm understanding what's going on. And there's got to be clear communication. And the other side of this is this. If you're not talking about the small everyday things, here's what I can guarantee you. If you're not talking and communicating about that, you're not going to talk about the hard things. Because you've not established a habit of talking about good everyday things so that when you're frustrated, it's really difficult to talk about the hard things. And as a result, here's what happens. We shut down. Well, I guess this is just going to be how my marriage is. And expectations never get communicated. And I say this all the time, but it's true, it's true, it's true. Uncommunicated expectations are unrealistic expectations. Man, it's just true. They're never going to know how to meet your expectations if you never communicate those expectations. So the question is this. Are you communicating? Are you talking on a regular basis? Are you talking about fun things and dreams and things you want to do and places you want to go and what's happening and all the good and all the frustrating and all the bad and all the weird? And Are you talking about hard things? Or are you just shutting down? Because, well, it's just not really worth it. You've got to communicate if you're going to live happily ever after. And the fifth thing is this. You've got to keep your spouse number two because Christ has to stay number one. You've got to keep your spouse number two because Christ has to stay Number one, Philippians chapter two, verses three through four says this. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others, count your spouse, count your friends, count your coworkers, count others more significant than yourselves. 
Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. Can I tell you, if we can do this in our relationships, it will transform our relationships. If we can live Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4 out in our relationships, it will transform your marriage. It will transform your relationship with your kids, your friends, your workplace environment. Because you're taking an interest in others over your own interest. Let, let me say this. This is where I get pushback. There, there should be no person more important than your spouse. Amen. Shouldn't be. Hear me. I love my daughters. I, I love them to death. I love Charlie and Chloe, and they are number three, but Casey's number two. She's the number one person in my life. And here's why I say that, because great families are birthed from great marriages. Great families are birthed from great marriages. It doesn't work the other way. And hear me today. What's the alternative? If your spouse isn't your number one person, what's the alternative? How does that make them feel? Right? Find, find some place in Scripture where the Bible tells you to put somebody in front of your spouse. Come and find it and tell me about it because I, I've never seen it. Let, let me know how that works out. I feel like Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you, right? Like, like, like tell me. And, and man, I, here, here's what I see all the time. We sacrifice mom, the, the second most, most popular time for people to get divorced. The first is years one through five. And then the second is when kids leave the house. And here's why. It's because mom and dad forgot that before they became mom and dad, they were husband and wife. And all of a sudden, they got so busy being a great dad that they stopped being a great husband. They got so busy being a great mom that they forgot their first responsibility was to be a great wife. And here's the good news. You can be great at both. Right? You can be a great husband and a great dad. You can be a great wife and a great mom, but there's got to be balance. And I understand there's seasons of busyness. I understand every season has a different ebb and flow to it, but you got to make sure that your spouse, you're not just telling your, sp your spouse they're number one, but they know they're number one. They feel like they're the priority. They feel like they are the most important. This also means this. Marriage is a place of submitting to each other. That if your spouse is going to be the most important person, that means you are submitting to each other. And don't we hate that word, right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. And you can read all of Ephesians 5 where it talks about husbands and, and wives and their interaction. But it says this at the very beginning when Paul's talking about marriage, and further submit to one another out of reference for Christ. Submit to one another. This means literally to yield to one another. Here's how, here's how I picture this. When I come to a four-way stop, um, if, if it's me and a person right across from me and we arrive at the same time, I am not waiting. I'm going, right? Like I'm not submitting to you. I'm not yielding to you. We may have gotten there at the same time. We may have gotten, he may have gotten there half a second before me. I'm still going, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm going. Like they're not on my right. It's like kind of subjective. Who got here first? I'm going, right? Like I'm taking a left in front of you. I'm going straight. I'm going right. See you later, sucker. That's the way I'm treating it. And some of us, we do that when it comes to our marriage, 
And we're not submitting to one another. We're keeping score of one another. Well, do you know how much I've submitted? <laughs> do you know how much I give them their way? you know how much I wait on them and serve them? And Paul doesn't say, the Bible doesn't say, okay, then stop serving them. You know, if you reach 10 and they've done nothing, then you're done. Your obligation, go back to communicating. Unexpected, uncommunicated, uncommunicated expectations or unrealistic expectations. But man, you keep submitting to one another. I keep yielding. I keep trying to yield to Casey. Casey keeps trying to yield to me. And it's not a matter of us keeping score. It's a matter of us losing count. And that's the goal. That if you are really still keeping score and keeping count, can I tell you, you're not loving like 1 Corinthians 13 tells us to love. And you got to choose your way there. you got to choose to love like Christ called us to love. If you're going to live happily ever after, hear me. Your spouse can't be somewhere in the list of priorities. They got to be your number one person. They got to be the number two priority in your life just after Jesus Christ. That's how you live happily ever after. How do you live happily ever after? You learn to submit to one another. It is a submission competition. That's what it is. Well, I keep letting them have their way. I keep, man, keep submitting, keep yielding. It's going to come around. Don't keep score. Because here's my heart as your pastor. Is that your marriage wouldn't be survived. But when you hit 60 years old, when you hit 70 years old, when you hit 80 years old, when you hit 90 years old, and if you're still blessed to have your spouse, that you're the couple. All the young couples are talking about and pointing to and being like, I want to be like them. I want to be like that. Because they're living happily ever after. I'm going to be done with this. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 9 through 11 out of the message, it says this. So this is my prayer. That your love will flourish and that you will not only love much but well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent and not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. And that's my prayer, that your life and your relationships look like that. Let's bow our heads today. God, we come before you today. And for every person that is here, whether we are single or whether we're engaged or dating or married, Lord, there are so many truths that apply to us today. And so, God, I ask today that we would not just know what we should do but we would actually do it. Your word says it this way, that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but we would actually be doers of it. Because, Lord, there's a lot of us, we know what we ought to do, but we're not doing it. 
And Lord, living happily ever after, it's not easy. It takes work. It takes sacrifice. It takes us putting in and speaking life into our relationships, not just like what we feel like putting into our relationships. So, Lord, I pray today that we wouldn't just love much, but we would love well. Today, here's how I want to end service. If you're married or engaged, I'm going to ask you to stand up. If your spouse is here, I'm going to ask you to hold their hand. And I just want to pray over every married couple, every engaged couple that is in this place. And as I'm doing this, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to pray over your spouse. And I'm going to ask you to be the spouse, not that you want to be, but they need you to be. Not, not that you feel like being, but they need you to be. Right? And, and here's my challenge. Men, that you would pray over your wives every evening. You may say the same prayer for 365 days. Can I tell you, I don't care. Be the spiritual leader of your marriage and your home, one of the big keys to staying married happily ever after was men praying over their wives. Pray over them before you go, go to bed because you can't stay mad at them, and it's really hard for her to stay mad at you while you're praying God's love and grace and mercy and being thankful for her, right? It's a great thing. So let me pray for us. God, we love you, and we thank you for today, and I thank you for every couple that is here. Lord, there's nothing more that Satan would want to destroy than marriages. Because if he destroys the marriage, man, he affects the family and everything crumbles from there. And so I pray for every couple that is engaged. I pray for every couple that is married in this place that they would put the work in. Lord, that they would do the hard things that they would do. They wouldn't just function like they want to function, but they would function like they need to function. That, Lord, they would live a life that is led by the Spirit and submitted to the Word so that they can produce the fruit of the Spirit in their relationship. And that, God, we would put up boundaries, that we would be intelligent and wise in how we love one another. That we would not just follow our feelings, but we would lead through our feelings and love the way we know we ought to and we should. And I pray your blessing, and I pray your favor, and I pray that we would do the hard work in our marriages from this day going forward. It's in Jesus' wonderful name I pray. Amen and amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.